0: So imagine stepping out of your day-to-day life and just dropping yourself into a gorgeous 130-acre natural playground for three and a half days of learning and laughing and moving your body and calming your brain and reconnecting with people who just see the world the way that you do and accept you completely as you are. So that's what we've created with our Camp Good Life Project or Camp GLP experience. We've actually brought together a lineup of really inspiring teachers from art to entrepreneurship, from writing to meditation, pretty much everything in between. It's this beautiful way to fill your noggin with ideas, to live and work better, and a really rare opportunity to create the type of friendships and stories you pretty much thought you'd left behind decades ago. It's all happening at the end of August, just about 90 minutes from New York City, And we're well on our way to selling out spots at this point. So be sure to grab your spot as soon as you can if it's interesting to you. You can learn more at goodlifeproject.com slash camp or just go ahead and click the link in the show notes now. It's
1: more important to me to not have stress than it is to make a few thousand more dollars. So
0: today's guest, Ruben Chavez... Did what he often does when, and what many of us often do when actually we're going through times of, of struggle. We turn to, to books to to learn from the teachers and the seekers who've gone before us and to dive into their wisdom. And he was going through a particularly rough time. So we started to do that. And at the same time, he kind of stumbled upon this app, Instagram. Many of you, I'm sure, know it. And he used it first just privately to catalog the thoughts, the ideas that he was seeing so that he kind of collect them in one place and, and add a little bit of a visual element to to reflect on them. He decided at a certain point to turn that account public. And what happened was pretty stunning. Within a matter of a few short years, the following on that account grew to over a million people. As I record this, it's it's about 1.7 million people. And he's also added other accounts as well. And then turned around and actually found a way to turn his love of growing and reading and learning into a venture that allows him to live very comfortably in the world. So how he actually did that, the journey behind it, why he became deeply fascinated in it, and how he's built community and the idea of Leveraging something as simple as an app to actually grow a company and then make a sustainable living while doing something you really enjoy and that fills you up and you would have done anyway, I think it's a really interesting conversation. So we go deep into that. Ruben's primary account, by the way, is think, grow, prosper, if you want to uh, go check out what he does. Excited to share this with you. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Good Life Project. So it's it's really fun to be hanging out with you because... You know, you first came onto my radar, I'm sure, the way that you first come onto millions of people's radar at this point, which is I'm hanging out on uh, Instagram one day, and I'm like, huh, this is an interesting account. And this is actually probably, I was pretty new to Instagram at the time. And I'm thinking, Instagram, is just like another stupid waste of time. <laughs> and then I see a friend of mine, uh, Jada Sellner, who's literally built this company, you'd call it, into a substantial business called Simple Green Smoothies, mm-hmm. largely starting on Instagram. And I got really curious about it. So then I got really curious about you and your account. And then we had a conversation. And so I'm I'm excited to just kind of sit down and get into your backstory a little bit. Yeah, me too. I'm really pumped to be here. So we're hanging out in uh, Good Life Project HQ right now. But you're not from here.
1: I'm not. I'm from the sunny Tucson, Arizona. Is that where you're born and bred? Yeah, I was born there and I've lived in California. I've lived in New Mexico. I actually lived in New York City for a bit. I don't think I told you, but I have lived there for like three months. I was 20 years old. I wanted to, I just moved randomly and I ran out of money very quickly. (laughs) Which tends to happen in New York. Yeah. I did not know what I was doing, and I came back home, but it was a, it was a good experience. Yeah. A learning experience, for sure.
0: What, what made you want to actually explore New York in the first place?
1: Honestly, it was just a whim, and it was just... Uh, it was kind of something that, at the time... I think, at the time, I was going through some weird emotional things and kind of figuring out who I was, and I was kind of running away from some, some things, I think, but... uh I realized that it didn't really help me.
0: All right, uh, so we can't just leave that hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, it
1: was it wasn't anything. Uh, gro- it wasn't anything um, too dramatic. It was just your uh, typical, like, almost teenager issues. Who am I? You know, I, I, I just turned twenty, and, and so I was like, Who am I? What, what am I doing? Like, with my life? You know, what's my what, what's my career? What, you know, those kind of big questions. Right. Existential crisis. Right. And uh, I thought that I could find something, and if I if I went to New York. I'd find something immediately. Yeah. Someone would come up to me and, and discover me, of course, but that didn't happen.
0: That you know, it's amazing how how often and how many times. And this has been my thought pattern also. We're like, well, if we go, like the the thing that we like that will make us okay is if we go somewhere else and we'll find it there, you know. And then we get there and we're like, wait, I, I'm still me, <laughs> exactly, just in another place.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's. Pima Chodron has a really good quote about that, and I will butcher it, but it's prob- it's something like, ah, uh, you know, I, it escapes I you know right now. what you're talking about. You it's basically
0: the about. problem will continue to present itself, and like the lesson will continue to present as itself. As long as there's something to continue to be right learned. Right, until yeah. you learn it. We can it.
1: run a thousand <laughs> miles in one direction away yeah. from the problem, and um, it'll keep coming back in different forms and yeah. different manifestations until we kind of figure out how to deal with that problem, which is a really cool lesson.
0: Yeah. And interestingly, like, do you think you could have been told don't go or do you think you would, you just had to do it? Absolutely
1: not. Yeah, I had to do it. And I really feel like that's a really powerful way to learn anything, truthfully. I mean, it's it's so interesting because like I just observe parents, for instance, it's a really parents and children is a really interesting dyna- dynamic for me to observe. I don't have children, but I was a child and I, I, it's just, you know, you try to teach your kids one thing and, and don't do that because of this, but ultimately they just have to learn from themselves. And that's the most powerful way to learn. I've just figured out that's just, that's just kind of a, a one example, but just in general, I think people learn by doing.
0: Yeah. I think that's definitely uh it's about the only thing that's worked for me. And I know as a parent, it doesn't matter what I say. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's all about – but I think also – and it's interesting, right? Because as a parent, I, I catch myself doing something that I think we also do to ourselves, which is, you know, I, I'm constantly trying to balance sort of um, allowing my my daughter the the space – to make mistakes and like, you know, thinking in the back of my mind, this is going to be a big mistake, but still saying like, I can't, it's better for me not to stop it from happening and just let it happen and let that be part of life's experience. And then let her figure out how to recover from that. And because then like the, the sense of confidence that comes from stumbling and then figuring out how to come back, I think it's so much more important than protecting herself.
1: Yeah. There, there's definitely something to be said about that. I, I think there's something to be said about I've heard it said, wealth skips a generation. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, and I think it's the idea of like, well, you have parents who are very well off, and then the kids maybe don't have to learn a lot of things for themselves. I mean, this is obviously an overgeneralization, but in some cases, you know, the kids maybe don't have to come up like their parents did. And then so it, it, you know, that cycle kind of stops, but then the next generation picks it back up again. So, yeah, learning learning how to do things yourself and really kind of picking yourself up by the bootstraps, that is certainly
0: a fundamental key to success in a lot of things. Yeah. All right. Which makes me want to ask the question, so what kind of a kid were you?
1: It's funny because I was uh, I, I was not a rebellious kid and I wasn't anything like my I was the good kid that was yeah. my role <laughs> really was. Um, was your brother and sister my or? brother was
0: a rebellious kid
1: my ah. brother when he was little he said it, it was it's kind of a running gag in my family when he was little he said. I just want to grow up so I can get tattoos, curse, and smoke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like that's your
1: aspiration. <laughs> that was, and he has accomplished that. He's he's an accomplished guy. He's 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 a really good guy. But that's not all he's accomplished. But he has right. accomplished those things. So it's funny. But I I just I've always been kind of the good kid and not rebellious, in 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 a sense. I mean, that I, I think in the traditional sense of rebellion, you know, I was well behaved. But at the same time, I've always been very. Kind of like questioning things and kind of questioning, why do we do this? I remember clearly, this is kind of a very random thought that, I, that I'm that i having right now, but I remember very clearly sitting in the car, looking out the window. We're, we're driving with my parents somewhere. I was probably around 10, 12 years old, maybe younger. And I, I just asked a very innocent, very pure question. And it was something to the effect of, why do we go to work? And and I, I didn't ask it with any 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 pretense or anything like that. I, I just you know I was. It's interesting to actually think back on on my state at the time, and I was just asking, well, why do we go to work, like just to like do stuff and and then go back to work just to sustain ourselves? I, I didn't use the word sustain, but that was the essence of my question. And my parents were like, yeah, you go to work and and you know you get money to to buy things and to you know keep living. And it was just a very interesting, it was just at the time, you know, I hadn't worked at the time and Mm. and it was just something that I was observing. And of course, that has carried out into different existential questions for me and something that I address also sometimes in my Instagram account.
0: Yeah. What's really interesting to me about that, though, is that questions like that are on your mind at that age, which is unusual.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think it has been and that kind of is part of the rebellious nature that I was referring to. I've always kind of questioned things and not wanted to
0: take a traditional path in many cases. So, yeah. So it's like that philosopher kid. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, I wasn't... Were you you sort of like a quiet and introspective or contemplative kid? I
1: was. I was more quiet and introspective. I mean, I had friends, you know, I didn't have trouble making friends, but I was never like, I guess, the life of the party, so to speak. But I had a great childhood and it was
0: it was a good it was good yeah so and i want to fill in a whole bunch of gaps but the question just popped into my head is like when you come from a place because so i'm wired more as an introvert um mm-hmm. myself which again like and i've talked about this so many times now on the show is, does not mean you're antisocial, right it just means that you sort of like being around huge numbers of people actually empties you rather than fills you exactly like, you know, i love being around exactly. large numbers of people for a short time mm-hmm. and like the small numbers of people who i love to just um but uh What's interesting too is that you're you've essentially now moved into and again we'll we'll fill in this journey, but what what pops into my head is that you're now in this position where you've like you literally got you know the attention of millions of people, so you've become you know effectively a leader to millions of people. How does that sit with sort of your just innate social wiring? I'm curious
1: that's a great question, even though it's kind of it, social media is very paradoxical because you yes you connect with many people and in my case you know millions of people but also it's it's kind of a solitary thing you do you know i create in in solitude you know i create the content for instance in solitude at the same time though you are influencing people and that's on my mind every day of course that's that's something that's at the forefront of my mind is that these words now are definitely going to be impacting a lot of people so I'm careful with that, and but it's it's on my mind, but it's not something that I place too much weight on because if I do, then it will also, um, I think, hamper my creativity in, in a sense. I started the account just for me and just as a reminder to myself, truthfully. So that's how I try to continue it because that's – I feel the way I can get the, the purest content and the content that is most – that most resonates with the most people.
0: I think I may have went on a tangent there, but yeah, but it's a good tangent because we have to get there <laughs> anyway. So, so you know, as as I shared in the introduction, which will be read later, and <laughs> you know, so so part of what we're talking about here is that you you've been on this journey uh, where you're now you're, you're a person who has a very substantial following on a platform called Instagram and probably one of the early really early guys to the game in terms of creating a. A way of sharing spiritual, personal growth, ideas, quotes, images that now has been, shall I say, mimicked um, many, many times over. So there's so many directions that we could go with sort of like how that all came into being and I actually want to go there, but I still want to fill in a little bit more and then we'll get there. Okay. Because before you were doing that, so, so right now you've got a media company that will sort of deconstruct a little bit. You've got this substantial following where you're affecting a lot of people, but before that, from what I, I know, you were, you were basically hanging out in Tucson, and you were selling cars and running a mannequin company. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so uh,
1: <laughs> Yes. Those were two very random – right, of the so many you, random things I did. So you
0: got to sort of like tell me this part of the story because I want to know that, and then I want to know how we get from there to where you are today. Sure.
1: Well, that is a good question. I, I have done many jobs – and uh, those two you you recently mentioned were uh, or those two you mentioned were the most recent before I started to think prosper. But I mean, I started working when I was 16 and I just worked, you know, your standard teenage jobs. You know, I did call centers, uh, was a server, et cetera. I was always a good student. When it came time to go to college, I really had, you know, kind of a natural aversion to it for whatever reason, probably just because I was, you know, lazy at the time, didn't want to do it. But my parents always encouraged me. My dad really pushed me to go to college and I tried, you know, I went to a couple semesters, and it didn't do it for me. It, it it wasn't resonating with me. It wasn't something that, that I felt I wanted to continue at that time. Mm. And so I went back into the workforce and I did other random stuff. But I always knew that there was something there. There was something that I could do to impact the world greatly. And, and, and I wrote that down, actually. I, like, I just want to inspire people. I've had that written down in different forms and different journals. But anyway, around 18 years old, I was introduced to the idea of entrepreneurship i just i mean I knew business existed but i didn 't really i wasn 't really introduced to it in any form in any in any formal way right. and my parents are not entrepreneurial at all work a job your whole life et cetera, et cetera. I was introduced to it by actually a guy who introduced, who approached me about a network marketing company funny enough and yeah. that didn't work out ultimately, but it did get me around people who were, who had a dream and who like this breed of people that I had not been introduced to before? People who had a dream, people who were had had definite goals, people who had um, a vision for their lifestyle, and people who were making money while they were not there, you know, not actively working. And it was just all very interesting to me and 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 super fascinating. And looking back, it seems like oh well, yeah, duh, like. especially in New York City you know it's like everybody's doing something cool at the time I hadn't been exposed to anything like that I was Mm. 18 and I hadn't been exposed to anything like that so it expanded my bubble and it expanded my mental paradigm of what was possible and so like I said that venture didn't work out but I carried that with me and I planted a seed in me and then I continued to work jobs and I continued to work jobs I didn't like because I had bills and because life happened right (laughs) and that's just what you do and that's and that's And I'm grateful for, for all of it actually, but it just kind of started wearing on me. Like I just knew deep in my, in my heart of hearts that I didn't want to do things that weren't really resonating with me or that didn't really kind of spark joy in me. And it's just not a cool place to be when you get up. I think at the time when I really started feeling the weight of it was I was working at a, an insurance company, an insurance company call center and i just didn't like i would wake up several you know like multiple days in a row and and not want to go to work and that was that was not cool with me because i knew there were people who 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 liked what they did so i i didn't understand why i couldn't i knew i could i knew he was out there somewhere so anyway long story short i ended up in 2013 i just i this i don't recommend this necessarily but i i quit my job as like, i was selling cars at the time yeah. and that was a great experience that was actually a job that i i actually liked it was fun for for a time but i i quit my job and i started i was doing an herbal supplement i was like making herbs in my kitchen at the time <laughs> and it sounds really sketchy but it like i was an herbal supplement company and it's like, legit legal it herbs it was there. legit <laughs> legal herbs for sure and so i quit to pursue that i thought it was going to be big it did not work out but ultimately i didn't have a job at that point and that's kind of where i had to that's where a lot of shifts happened. that's where think or prosper happened at that time frame in my life when i just it was a very rough time period i didn't have any money i was very i was unemployed and really had no desire to join the workforce again so that's kind of where the think or prosper story begins but that's how i got to this point
0: yeah so, so if that's how the the Think or a Prosper story begins, what was tell me tell me the beginning of that story? How does that start?
1: The beginning of that story was that I it was a very difficult time. I was like I said, unemployed, really no money, and my girlfriend's mother had just been diagnosed with cancer. She was going through chemo. She was very sick. It was just a very dark time in my life, and I did what I normally do at the at those times, and that is read. I just. So many mindset shifts and so many perspective changes have happened in a book. I mean, just lines in books have changed my life. Literal like one line like, in a book has ch- changed my life. So I always go to books. That's kind of my my go-to. And I was reading just for inspiration, just to keep my hopes up and just to stay inspired. And at the time I was reading Think and Grow Rich by mm-hmm. Napoleon Hill. Sure. Classic. Um, classic book. You know, it's really fun. It has a lot of great, great ideas in it. And at the time it was resonating with me more than it ever had. I, I, had, I had read it um, several times before and I really just wanted to, solidify those concepts into my brain. And my girlfriend at the time was on this silly little app all the time. It's called Instagram. (laughs) And she was using using it to take selfies. And I laughed at her a lot. But for whatever reason, I said, you know, that might be a good place to like store some. I saw these quote graphics around the internet. I'm like, that might be a good place to store some of these quotes that I've highlighted in the book. Just to kind of revert back to it, and you know, or reference back to it, so I can remind myself of these these concepts that are resonating with me right now. And that's what I did. I just started like making quote graphics based on some of the highlighted portions of the book that really resonated with me. And it was just for myself. It was a private account at first. It was called something different, and. I use it for my own, for my, for myself. I took it off private eventually, and it started getting traction. People started liking it, and for whatever reason, it was just resonating with people, and that's kind of the beginnings of it.
0: That. Nah. The show is sponsored by meditation app, 10% Happier. So the app, it comes with courses that they teach you how to stress better, deal with difficult emotions, and build healthier habits. I love that the material is entertaining and relatable. The host, New York Times bestselling author, Dan Harris, he's funny, he's real, he's vulnerable, and he's teamed up with some of the world's best meditation teachers to show you how meditation helps kind of smooth out some of life's wrinkles using cutting-edge science and and hard-won experience to demonstrate the tangible benefits that meditation can have. And listeners of Good Life Project get 40% off when you start seeing that happen, I mean, because you said, like you said, you're doing this in the background just because you're going through a really hard time personally. And this is – you turn to books because it helps elevate your spirit. Mm-hmm. And this is a way for you to catalog what's really standing out for you. And it was a private account. So what's the the switch that gets flipped that makes you say, I'm going from private to public? And maybe it's something beyond just cataloging for myself. Yeah.
1: Well, this is an important point because – it for whatever reason, I I just, I was, the idea excited me and I was having a lot of fun with it. Mm. And I'm a really big proponent now of just acting on your excitement and really kind of carrying that out to the fullest, fullest extent. At the time, I wasn't, didn't know that kind of principle consciously, but, but I was doing it. And so what kind of, was the switch to flip me to put my account on public was just that I wanted to share it with people. It started being really fun. And I was like, oh, maybe someone will see this and maybe it'll help them like it's helping me. And that's really, it was a very humble thought. And and I didn't have any grandiose plans of creating a media company or anything of that sort. It was really just because
0: it excited me and I thought it'd be fun to do. And that seed grew but that's how it started. Yeah. How important do you think, because I I know you spent a lot of time since then really thinking about why people start things and you've written a a bit about it as well. How important do you feel like it is to, if you're going to take the risk of of starting something, and maybe we should talk about risk also, because I know that's something that you think about as well, of starting something. How much should that be a manifestation of pure personal interest and desire to serve versus I think this can actually become a source of revenue. What's, what's your sort of lens on that these days?
1: That's a really good question. I think there is an intersection of those two. But I also think that you don't always have to start with the idea of revenue or scaling or how you're going to make money from anything and i know that a lot of people will be like well that's impractical and that's rational and i would say yeah it is but that's honestly how some of the best ideas come i would say that a lot of us have kind of you know suppressed what really turns us on what really excites us and what really kind of sparks a joy in us for the sake of paying the bills and that's not always a case, but it was a case with me for sure. And I think it's really important just as a culture to get more in the habit of acting on the things that spark joy in us, that excite us, that kind of, you know, ignite some passion in us. And it doesn't have to be something super grandiose or 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 very um, you know, groundbreaking or or even world-changing. It really doesn't. Because really who would think that starting an Instagram account is going to change the world at all. I mean, at the time, I I was really, I thought that my friends would think I'm cool, you know? But I think that that energy, when you do act on something that does truly excite you, Mm. and maybe it doesn't look good on on paper, but it excites you, like really kind of right up in your gut, you know? That energy really resonates with people. And you, you just, you can't get away from it. Like, and so if you continue to do that over and over again, You know, you act on something that excites you and you see how that plays out. And then you act on the next thing that excites you. It may be related, it may not be. But if you continue that every day, if you kind of make that a habit – um, it leads to some very interesting things.
0: Yeah, I so great. You know, it's interesting. I have, I'm sure at this point we both have a lot of conversations with entrepreneurs or aspiring people who want to start something. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the big questions is like, well, how do I market it? How do I get the word out? And it's a legitimate question. Sure. You know, and at the same time, like one of one of the things that I've come to believe, which really kind of like jives a lot with what you were just saying, is what I call my beacon theory, which is that when you really align, just like the fiber of who you are, like your deep interests in, and and you build all of your actions around that, you just, you, you exist differently in the world. Like you, mm-hmm. you radiate at a different frequency, you become this beacon. And there's it, this is, it's funny. I'm normally a very science-based, you know, linear sort of like systems-based person. And this is where I get a little bit out there. Cause I'm like, look, I, I can't explain this, but I've now I've seen it in myself. I've seen it in my team. I've seen it in so many entrepreneurs that I've worked with that, you know, Kicking, screaming, throwing money, resources at marketing, building systems, products, and like everything outside of themselves, you know, and it's just like banging a head against the wall. And then, you know, they get to a point where they're just like, I'm I'm cooked. And they're like, I'm just going to go out and do the thing that I feel called to do right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Something shifts in the way that you bring yourself to the world when that happens. And I'm not going to say that all of a sudden, you know, the famous quote, Providence rises up and supports everything. Sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. But what I've seen happen consistently is when you move yourself into the world that way, you become this beacon. And like people feel it. People just feel it. When you, when you walk into a room or when you start a conversation, they feel that there's something radiant that's coming out of you and they want to be they want to participate in it and it it's to me it's actually the single if you want to talk about marketing i don't it's my experience that there's no more powerful marketing than finding a way to be in that state and it sounds like it's a lot of what you're talking about
1: yeah that's very true i mean i i guess i can relate to that because there i i I don't spend any money on marketing you know for instance my, my page at all and it has come from that that you know i think people people pick up on that vibe you know they really when they when they scroll through the account they really feel like you know there's some heart there's some heart here there's some soul here and so that's i think a component of it going viral i also want to say that this is just one point of view and what what i've learned is like there are so many paths and so many ways to arrive at the same goal and yeah, the linear, you know, science, right-brained way of going about, you know, structuring a business plan, et cetera, that also works. That's also cool. That may excite somebody. That did not excite me. And I think, especially in today's world, it's much easier to, there's, there's a much lower entry point. To the world of working for yourself, I don't really like to use the word entrepreneur because I think yeah, it, and I've it, seen you're
0: right that, bu- yeah, that word bugs you.
1: <laughs> truly, I mean, and it's fine. I mean, it's 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 a convenient word, but it also kind of makes people think that there's you know it's more formal than it is, or that there's more to it than it is. I mean, truly, like it's really just about helping one person do you know if you have an idea, some some idea that you have, it's like okay well you don't need to get business cards you don't need to incorporate your yourself you don't need to do any of this just help one person do that idea that you have and then see if it works and then help another person in my case it was just my first customer was myself and i made content for myself ultimately other people liked the content i was creating and i made content for many people but it started with myself and you have a friend, Steve Mayer. He's sold multiple businesses for over seven, well over seven figures each, and he started in his teens. He was a, he was a teenager. He wanted to open a, a audio equipment shop, and he started actually just buying speakers from you know just good deals he, he, he would find. And selling them to his rich kids at to the rich kids at school, his friends at school, you know, and started with one person, and then he opened, uh, you know, a retail sh- shop, a brick and mortar store, and then expanded into eBay and like multiple stores, and so. But it started with one person, so I guess my message is like, you can go about it a number of ways, but just make sure that you're excited about the way you're going about it.
0: Yeah, and I I love that, and I think what you're also bringing up here, which is a really important point. I want to make sure it's really. It's brought out strongly is that you know when you read about quote entrepreneurship, pretty much anywhere online, there generally the only thing that gets covered is the the build to scale and exit, mm-hmm. you know, and that very often requires well we, we need we need venture capital, we need to invest mm-hmm. substantial resources, we need to take a lot of risk, and this comes full circle to the so sort of, the topic of risk. And what's interesting and what you're saying is these days, there are some endeavors that do require mm-hmm. that. But the vast majority of entrepreneurs, you know, quote entrepreneurs in this country or people who found businesses, they're one person businesses and they stay one person businesses and they never actually have a desire to go beyond that. And they're legit viable businesses that mm-hmm. gr- let some, you know, somebody you know, like put food on the table and, and live a good solid mm-hmm. life. And those those don't get talked about as much mm-hmm. because they're so almost delegitimized by like the mainstream entrepreneurship media. Mm-hmm. And so I love the fact that you're kind of saying, you know, it just, you don't have to build all this stuff. You don't have to take, take on massive amounts of risk and invest a ton of money. Just like, like what's the first low risk like action that will let you just like go out and take the tiniest step to see how it feels.
1: There's a book called Show Your Work, yeah. uh, Austin Kleon. Right. And he, he really outlines this really well, I think. And it's just about showing what you're working on showing it to the world. If your work is not online, it doesn't exist, you know, in today's world. So I I would recommend whatever it is that you're working on, whatever it is you're excited about, whatever hobbies you have, maybe that, that you're working, maybe it's maybe you do music on the side, you know, maybe you like make beats or something. Maybe you're a creative person, maybe you have like arts and crafts, like start an account, I I like Instagram, I'm biased toward Instagram, but start some kind of social media account, where you kind of put that out into the world. And you don't have to show people your finished product, you can show the process and people like to see that. And that's really what Finger Prosper started as was just showing the process of what I was doing my personal
0: growth process. So I think that would be the main thing to to start with. Yeah, I I love that you brought that point up also, because one of the big fears I think people have is, they only want to show their work once they feel like they're mm-hmm. quote good enough, mm-hmm. you know. And what we're seeing, especially with with the platform you've chosen, Instagram, is you know, a friend of mine, Lisa Congdon, who's a wonderful illustrator, built a huge following and also a solid chunk of her career by committing to year long projects on Instagram, where mm. she like she wanted to learn how to draw a certain way or how to do something. So she's like, look, I know I'm not where I need to be. I know I'm not awesome yet, but I know if I commit to actually like doing one drawing, and then sharing it somewhere publicly. They're like, you know, I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to state publicly. I'm going to do it. And, and and she did it. And, you know, all of a sudden people responded. And I think the biggest surprise for people, and I wonder, you know, is that it's okay. You know, we're, we're I think we're kind of taught or, or groomed culturally to be like, you know, don't, don't put stuff out there until it's really good. Mm-hmm. Because if people see you and you're not the best of the best yet, you know you're going to be maligned. So there's a massive amount of fear about doing what you're talking about doing. But it seems like there are more and more examples of people doing that, and I think people embrace that because they it's like they get to go along for Mm -hmm. the for like through the hero's journey and the struggle along with you. And all of a sudden, it's not just your. Your learning adventure. It's like it's everybody's.
1: Yeah, people love to see behind-the-scenes stuff. People love to be nosy. People are nosy, like <laughs> – and that's just the reality. <laughs> well, that's kind of why social media <laughs> – exactly, exactly, like extensio, reality right? TV, like why are we doing yeah, yeah. the Kardashians? Because we're just nosy. Right. Like we want to be like – so people love to see process. So, yeah, don't under underestimate process. I mean the way I think of, of my account still, I have to go back to that because I don't want to be a guru or like – a teacher who has all the answers that people come to. I really want to just show my process and my journey, truly. And so, of course, you know, we work with brands now and stuff like that. So some of our content is centered around that. But for the most part, you know, I really just want to show people, like, what I'm thinking and thoughts that I find interesting, perspective shifts, and really my process,
0: my process of figuring out this thing we call life. Yeah. So... I want to get a little bit granular with the medium that you've chosen too, because I think it's a really interesting medium. Like I said, when I first saw Instagram, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, me too, <laughs> not for me." <laughs> <laughs> me too, right? And then, and then I started seeing friends doing like some really powerful stuff on it, and and it and it changed my mind. And then what I think it's taken me a really long time to understand is, and for those who are not familiar with Instagram, it's a simple app that originally just allowed you to. It, it made Taking a picture, making some quick tweaks on it and then sharing it it basically made it you know one touch simple or three touch simple and it was that was the game changer because it, it became so easy and now it's exploded um so I'm sure you, you know if you're listening to this you probably know what it is but in case you don't that's what we're talking about here and people have built you know you can follow somebody and people have built substantial followings uh, like Ruben's got. Well, Closing in on 2 million followers on your, on Thinker yeah, Prosper at this
1: point. Yeah. And I have another account
0: with, uh, yeah. So Thinker Prosper 1.7 million and another account with, um, with 1.2. So. Right. And here's the thing that took me a while to understand because there's the image, but there's also, you, you can add, you know, you, you basically, you, you write something to go along with the image. And then there's comments. And the thing that really I struggled with understanding, and maybe you can sort of take me into this a little bit, is that there's actual community. Mm-hmm. Like there's an actual community that forms around this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is interesting.
1: And it's one of the things that perpetuates the growth of accounts if you do it right. And I think it's about, you know, people just want to be a part of something, of course, and something that's that they feel is important. And so when I first started the account, I was, I mean, I've always been into personal development ever since like I I mentioned that um, I was introduced to the world of business at 18 years old and the gentleman who introduced me he introduced me to a lot of books that i never knew existed like how to win friends and influence people all all these kind you know like think and grow rich whatever it's so all these books that I did not know existed um, and I was like wow this is awesome information so I've always been been interested in that genre and Because of that, I was resonating, I was posting things that resonated with people who were very much like me, I found out. And what I did at the the, the beginning a lot was respond to all of my comments. And I knew who I was talking to. Because they were like kind of a reflection of me. Like yeah. I attract – like when you do something that you're really ex- – that you actually are genuinely excited about. Uh, by the way, when I say excited, I don't mean that you literally have to be jumping up and down. Like it's just kind of – Mathematic type it, of thing, which is you're drawn to You're yeah. drawn to it. It sparks joy. You yeah. know, there's something about it that you're drawn to it, right? So – but when you do something like that, you kind of attract people – um who who are on your your wavelength you know and who oh, who are very much like you in in many respects and so and that's a good thing because you can more easily talk to those people i think that's a big competitive advantage i had early on is i knew exactly who i was talking to because i was part of my niche mm. i was like the main customer right and so i responded to almost every single comment at the beginning i mean up until i had you know probably 30 or 40 50,000 followers. I was responding to every single comment. And, and and I still respond to some comments here, but that kind of really solidifies a sense of community, I think, too, especially on platforms where maybe you know, just in general people want to be acknowledged. And when you acknowledge someone, man, you know, that's powerful. Like I my girlfriend has a has a friend who wrote to a, one of her blogger, a blogger she follows and she got a response back from the blogger. And she still talks but this was like years ago. She still talks about it to this day how like how nice that was of her yeah. to take time to do that and it's like so simple, but that I think in my point is that I think that practice at the beginning developed a very solid core a follower group and that really helped fuel the growth of the account and really kind of rally people around the content and the message of the of the page
0: yeah and it does and it does feel like there's a community that builds around that you know you know which which brings up the other question which always comes to I me mean, something i struggle with a lot i'm curious if you struggle with it can you scale that and should you scale it you know so once when, when you're at 10,000 people or 20,000 or even 50,000 people and you're still in there and you're like oh i'm keeping up with the comments mm-hmm. you know but you're you know you're in the millions now so how do you deal with trying to acknowledge the people who raise their hand to be a part of your community and at the same time Know that you're scaling something for you know like mass impact mm-hmm.
1: that's a really good question yeah it's it's a challenge to scale for sure there are ways to do it. I think in my case i you know people let's say let's take the thing a prosper account for instance i do i do you know engage anything that it that is en- you know any engagement on that account any responses is me, so I don't outsource anything at this mm-hmm. point, but I think people understand like when you have an account that large that you you may not get a response anymore so yeah there's not as much of a personal touch but you can make up for that in in a number of ways i think one is email lists and keeping in touch with your most passionate followers via email which i've tried to do as well blogging so it's about just being more personal on a mass scale i recently started a snapchat account to be a little bit more personal and snapchat was another one that i was like no i'm never doing that <laughs> never never never
0: so but anyway that, by the way i'm coming around to that right now also. <laughs> i'd be like kicking all my friends I'm like dude you have to be on it i'm like no i'm like right, maybe what's your snapchat i'm gonna i'm gonna add you later
1: <laughs> so so yeah i mean you can still be personal on a, on mass scale, I think it it's 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 not exactly the same, but you know it's it's it's
0: nice and it's still something. Real life isn't always perfect, but with signature hardware it is beautiful.
1: My decisions for anything starting in really 2013 when I when I, you know, quit my last job have been lifestyle based. And so I could definitely like I should have hired like a couple freelancers probably like several months back for sure. And I could have scaled this thing in a number of different directions. I have contemporaries who have multiple accounts and literally are on their phones all all day, 17 hours a day, which is great. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I have been able to, you know, make a pretty comfortable living from just me. And and my girlfriend also helps. So when I say, you know, we are, we're doing this, it's, it's her too. So we both do this and she helps with some of the content creation, et cetera, but it's more important to me to not have stress than it is to make a few thousand more dollars. And that's how I've always looked at, at it. We definitely are growing and we definitely have plans to expand in different ways. But I, I'm a big believer that we create our own stress. I mean, in a lot of cases. So so yeah, I, I want to make sure that that I'm comfortable with the growth and that and that it's all fits into the lifestyle that I want.
0: Yeah, and so you brought up the the topic of stress when you're trying to grow something substantial. and How it's interesting because I have um, when you when you talk about that, there are a lot of people who really don't look at the way that scale will affect the way that they get to live their lives exactly. every single day, and end up building something that's scaled nicely and is very profitable. And then they actually hate the business that they built because it's stressing them. It's like they've built something that they're very very likely has all the stress that they left in a prior job where they had no control. Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, Tim Ferriss was a big influence early on with me. You know, I view him as kind of like a solopreneur and um, he's, you know, really all about, you know, lifestyle design and and making sure that, that you have a business that supports your lifestyle and that lets you live. I think that's really important. So, it, it brings to mind the Mexican fisherman story. I don't know if you've heard that before. Yeah, of, of course. Before. Yeah. So, for those who don't know, it's real quick rundown. There's, yeah, I posted it several times on on my account, but it's like this Mexican fisherman and oh, this this American visit visits you know the coast of Mexico and he sees his Mexican fisherman catching these beautiful yellowfin tuna, and he's like, wow, those are those are amazing. Like, if do you know that? You know you could make a lot more money, and the Mexican fisherman's like, "Well, he says to the American businessman he's like, "Well, you know, I, I have a nice life already, you know i uh fish during the day for a few hours and i and I come back home and I spend some time with my kids and at night we go out and drink some wine and listen to music and the American businessman is like." Well, if we scale, you know, we could do this and we could open a cannery in uh, New York, but you'd have to, you know, move there for a while and, but we could make you millions of dollars. And the Mexican fisherman's like, well, how long will that take? He's like, oh, about 20 years or so, maybe 15 if we do it, if we do it right. And he's like, okay, well, and after that, what happens? Well, like, what will I do? He's like, well, you'll retire. And then you'll get to, you know, spend time with your kids, more time with your kids and your wife and then go drink wine, listen to music in the town, you know. And it's like you take a very long route to the same end, right? So a lot of people like I got to achieve, 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 achieve and do this and get all this, get all this, get all this. But really you kind of back where you started. And I think a lot of people don't realize that you in many cases don't need as much as you think you do and that's a position of power it's not a position of lack it's a position of power when you need less you have more
0: yeah how is it for you having that lens on what matters to you when you exist in a in a world where m- most people don't share that Yeah, you know, like when you when most people look at technology and social media based business and generating revenue almost always like the, the single biggest benefit that people talk about is is the ability to reach and scale exponentially faster than any other way with minimal risk. So and and most people actually that's their aspiration. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious whether you have felt that you're sort of surrounded by people who see the world differently.
1: Yeah, uh in 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 many it, it most people uh do see the world like that and I feel like I am surrounded by the majority of people have that mentality. It's just about your goals, honestly. I mean, one's not better than the other. It, it it's really about what's going to support your lifestyle. Thankfully, I have a very low-cost lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I'm not against scaling at all. I definitely think it's something that you know like i said we're going to try in 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 various creative ways to scale to scale this business somehow but i'm against scaling for scaling's sake yeah, yeah. like that's not necessary if you're scaling for a goal like if you have a goal to have 10 million dollars in the bank you know then 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 go you're going to have to scale probably my goals are more lifestyle based obviously you know there's there's income goals tied to that but like i said you know most people overestimate how much they need to, to really live the life that they want to yeah. and in the process create a lot of stress for themselves so i just always try to take inventory of my life is it going how i want do i have the time i want are my stress levels okay and if all that's good if i'm happy then then i i don't touch the business
0: yeah and I think that's the process that so many of us don't actually ever like, don't just like zoom the lens out for a moment and just ask those questions. You're like, what actually does matter to me? Mm-hmm. you know, like, what do I actually want? And what do I not want? You know, just in terms of like the qualities of life, mm-hmm. you know, you can get really grand, you say $10 million, a giant company, whatever it is, but just in terms of like, how do I want to experience like the qualities of my life? Mm-hmm. You know, I, my sense is that very few people Spend any time trying to understand or define that. I'm curious. You brought up much earlier in a conversation the fact that you, that you've journaled. Do you still journal? Not as consistently as I
1: should. I, I mean, I, mostly when when I'm in a very rough place, uh, the way I journal is I I, I really like, when I'm going through anything that's challenging, I really use journaling to um, to write down things that I that are good right now and that mm-hmm. I am grateful for, just to kind of refocus. That's the main thing I use journaling for, and then I
0: i've been blogging recently so that's right. another form of it yeah yeah so 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 we should probably and there's like this big lingering question i'm sure in some people's mind, like this sounds awesome but how's the guy actually earning a living so we might as well you know just sort of speak to that so when you have this you know you've now you've now built this thing where you have a substantial you have millions of people following content and conversations that you put out into the world through this one unique platform and and this is your sole source this is how you're earning your living now so so how does that how does that how does you reading and learning and exploring and digesting and filtering and then sharing like little bits of digests and your thoughts on what you're learning, how does that turn into a sustainable living for you?
1: Pretty much the same way it does for a TV station or a radio station or any media company. So here's the Our Magazine, for instance. Those are kind of the traditional media that I can draw a parallel to. Mm. And that's the easiest way to explain it. So it's very simple. And I've had to do this because most of my family has no idea what right. I do. My friends are like, I don't know. He's yours, just always on his phone. Right. Yours in my mouth. <laughs> it's like, what do you do here? Exactly. It's a very weird, you know, business to be in, right? But anyway, here's here's the breakdown. So basically, if you, you're you watching TV, right, you watch programs and it has a bunch of shows like a TV station, ABC, for instance, has a bunch of shows. Those are the content, in between those shows there are some commercials which pay the salaries of the people on the shows pay the you know pay the salaries of the the overhead that the company has so it's driven by commercials and by you know sponsors now in social media it doesn't translate exactly because the commercials the commercials in traditional media are much more interruptive. Yeah. The commercials in social media need to be more integrated, and, and at least that's the path I've taken. I, I know there are there are other there are other models out there, but I've taken a more advertorial kind of position. And what that means is, I work with brands, and um, you know, both large and small who have a message that really aligns with Think Grow Prosper in some way, whether it's motivational or inspirational or thought-provoking and you know these brands typically seek me out and they want exposure so the idea with going back to the tv station analogy Mm -hmm. abc you know they have millions of viewers those are eyeballs and and people who are who want to get their message out there their product out there they want those eyeballs they want that exposure and the same thing with an instagram account is we have a lot of eyeballs we have 1.7 million eyeballs and that draws in people who want exposure whether it's for their message or their brand or even sometimes their product if it if it if it's a good fit. So that's really what we do. We help people get exposure because we have a platform for that of, of people who are interested in, in in similar messages. Now, something that we've been very careful about is aligning with the right people. Right. And that's a crucial part of it all because if you don't, you lose trust with your followers. You know, on Thingor Prosper, You're not gonna see an ad for, for like shoes or something. I'm not gonna sell shoes, Uh, you know, unless like some, unless somehow it makes sense unless they're like inspirational shoes that have an inspirational message. I, I don't know. I like Tom's shoes. But there you one go. For one or there, so right? see, because then the mission as well aligned. Exactly. Right, so that's it. actually a, a, good, a yeah, yeah. good example of, of, of a twist that, that could make it fit, right? Yeah. So so that's the idea. As we work with, with people who, who have a message that aligns well and we present them to,
0: the, to our audience in a way that resonates with them. I mean, it's so fascinating to me on so many levels. One is that you, you can actually do this Which is inspiring for so many people, and it goes back to the early part of the conversation. You know, you wanted to inspire people both with what you were learning and sharing, and the wisdom of all these other people. And now I think it's also really inspiring to look at what you've done from a business and earning a living standpoint, and say because it's like ah, like when somebody sees it, then all of a sudden you become another bit of proof that stuff like this is possible, you know, and that's cool. (laughs) It is cool. It it it's amazing, and you can make a
1: living in so many ways in 2016 and going forward. I mean, it's, 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 it's
0: really hilarious. It's funny. You also pretty, like you said, you've also, you, you've now had a website and a blog and recently launched a a course, I guess. So it sounds like part of what's going on with you too. And I'm curious how much of this is, is a focus for you right now, rather than just sort of like the next sort of experiment, you know, you started to take a lot of what you've been learning and studying and, and digest it into, not just unique things that you put on in your Instagram account, but actual a more comprehensive synthesis of, well, you know, this is kind of what I think about this particular way to live better in the world.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that it is a natural extension of the brand. And for instance, Netflix has shows that they – here's another parallel for you or another analogy. Netflix has shows that, you know, from other people that other people produce – they also have their Netflix originals. Mm. You know, Costco has. They sell brands. They sell other people's brands and you know uh, products from other people. They also have their original stuff that they produce. And so it's just you know we share things from other people and curated content. Finger Prosper does, but we also want to make our own products and have our own yeah our our own label. So. It's important. It's important, and also people are looking for things that are more organized, more well packaged, mm. and so that's what we are working on right now: is really creating products that meet a specific need. Obviously, the account is great, and people get a lot of value from it. Um, sometimes there's a lot of value in um, curating content on a specific subject, and. Mm presenting it in a way that makes it easy for people to um, absorb that uh, those concepts
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense. i mean it also in, in in a lot of ways it mimics our business model for a good life project <laughs> people are constantly they're asking i've had so many guests actually as soon as the mic goes off they're like looking around they're like okay so you actually you have a studio you have employees how do you make money <laughs> And it's a similar thing. like we have the media side of our business and we, we haven't sold sponsorship yet, but we're certainly open to it in, in conversations at this mm-hmm. point. If it's same thing with you though it has to be fiercely well aligned. Exactly. that's always my hesitation. But we also have the education side of, of the the venture. You know, and that's, you know, been historically the revenue side and and events and courses and stuff like that. Exactly. So it's an interesting analog. It's almost like we've taken the opposite approach. You know, like you've started with media and now you're sort of backing your way into education. Mm-hmm. We start with education, and now we're starting to look at the exactly. media as a, a revenue side. Yeah, it's 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 just so fascinating to look at like how people can create stuff and and You don't have to necessarily follow anyone else's mold anymore.
1: It's true. And something that I think is really important to recognize is that if you're out there wondering like, well, you know, my business, you know, isn't really Instagram friendly or social media friendly or like just unsure of how to begin even. Just think of it this way that every business is a media company. And there's people – there's other people who have talked about this. But let me explain that a little bit more. If you have a, for instance, a dog sitting business, let's say, you know, people, especially on social media, are not going to respond to you asking for business. You know, you don't do a post. Your first posts shouldn't be, hey, I have a dog sitting business. That's old school. You are a media business, so you want to attract people who are attracted to the type of content you produce that aligns with that business so for instance if you own a dog sitting business maybe you would produce content media that is related to ways to take care of your dog or even you know just cute animal photos that's going to attract this type of media this type of content is going to attract Pet owners, presumably. And this is just a rough example, obviously, but that's going to attract pet owners. And then at that point, you have an audience of pet owners or pet lovers. That would be a cool audience to then maybe ask, hey, you know, if anybody needs a pet sitter, here I am, right? So you want to build your audience around your content, whatever industry field you're in, you want to build your audience around your content, rally them around that, and then you make sure that's related to your core business. And then that's how you start, you, you know, your, your business. Because, so everybody's in the media
0: business in a sense. Yeah, whether you want to be or not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just sort of the nature of the way that the world is shifting right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are so many other places I could go with you, but I think it probably makes sense for us to come <laughs> full circle here. So the name of this is Good Life Project. So when I offer that term out to you, to live a good life, what comes up? Um, to live a good life. I mean, I, I think of it very simply, and
1: that is, it, it's going to sound, it's, it's hard to not sound cliche with this answer, but um, but some of the cliches are some of the most truthful things. And that is, if you're living a good life, you are genuinely content and happy. I don't mean like, you know, happy, like you're smiling every day, but you're, you're, you know, happy with the way your life's going and you're progressing toward things that matter to you. If you're doing things that matter to you, if you're excited about the days in general, you know, when you get up, you're living a good life. I mean, it's it's very simple. Like, I hate when people overcomplicate it because that's how you get unhappy. If you overcomplicate things, I've just found that if you think that you need the fancy car and you need this amount of m- money in the bank or you need you know something outside like to be happy constantly then it's it's kind of like a treadmill i've heard it said it's like the hedonic treadmill and so it's tough you know you you, you i don't know if you ever actually get that but as long as you're pro- i th- i think that the concise way to say it was is if you are progressing a goal that matters to you and appreciating the steps along the way, that's that's a good life.
0: Thank you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. We love sharing real unscripted conversations and ideas that matter. And if you enjoy that too, and if you enjoy what we're up to, I'd be so grateful if you would take just a few seconds and rate and review the podcast. It really helps us get the word out. You can actually do that now right from the podcast app. On your phone, if you have an iPhone, you just click on the reviews tab and take a few seconds and jam over there. And if you haven't yet subscribed while you're there, then make sure you hit the subscribe button while you're at it. And then you'll be sure to never miss out on any of our incredible guests or conversations or riffs. And for those of you, our awesome community who are on other platforms, any love that you might be able to offer sharing our message would just be so appreciated. Until next time, this is Jonathan Fields signing off for Good Life Project.